Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Power Athlete Nation, what's happening? I am here with Mr. Jim Davis, former... Hello, Power Athlete Radio alum, episode 242, and we have very targeted conversation and discussion we're getting after today. John Wellborn is on a little vacation getaway. I don't blame him. It's about 30 degrees in Austin, Texas, and he's taken to some warmer weather, but I needed to get a conversation rolling with my old pal Jim because he just posted a blog for PowerAthleteHQ.com. And it's all about grit. And while I'm sitting in this freezing barn talking about the weather, I'm developing what Jim would call grit. Jim, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I um, I really feel for you. You, I don't know if you know this, but I'm in Chicago. I think you do know that. And it's about five degrees. So yeah, but you're, sounds- like, you're used to it. Yeah, it is. I was born in humidity. I love humidity. People complain about it, but I thrive in it. It holds my hair up. It's amazing. And if it drops to 30 degrees, I'm not a happy man. Not to mention my truck doesn't have heat, air conditioning, defrost, any of that good stuff. So I like to live dangerously. So so you, that's what sort of saves us in Chicago. Heavy coats and heated seats in in cars. So you're you're going from that's right. You're going from a truck without heat to a barn without heat and cold concrete floors. Yeah, you're developing something for sure. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some grit going on. There are some concepts here with grit. And before the show, we were talking a little bit about your getting after it with high school athletes. Explain your role, your position with high school, and how you're able to operate and still get kids strong, fit, and ready to play sport even in these COVID times? That's a big question. The the way I can tell you the way it looks right now, uh, because it has evolved. We've had probably seven or eight different iterations of this through the last 11 months. But um, at the moment we are my day job. So good athlete project is pretty much me all the time. My day job is at an amazing place called Nutria high school. It's a 4,000 person high school just North of Chicago we, we serve a ton of athletes, really high caliber kids. And what it looks like right now is we have 2000 people moving through our facilities. Our facilities were not built for 2000. The, our, our primary weight room is probably built for 35 hmm. and um, you know, space limitations due to COVID have limited that space to 21. We have a field house with some, you know, we set down some, some puzzle flooring and made some Olympic stations and, and we've got a field house that serves about 45 at a time. And then we've got an auxiliary gym that we did the same thing. We sort of brought some old, really old, like probably like, I don't know, version one Sorenex old school steel racks that have been around for ages uh, into this old gym. And now we've got sort of a third lifting space. And what we do is over the course of 80 sessions, we, we move those 2000 athletes of, uh, you know, all sorts of sports. We serve about 28 to 30 sports, depending on which coaches opt in. Uh, and, and all levels from freshmen to varsity kids trying to get scholarships. Um, and I'll say it, it, you know, and we, we do it really systematically. We, we, we think 
in fact, as it maps onto this discussion, we've got a pretty clear idea of what we're trying to accomplish. We know that February, when outdoor training is not an option, is sort of a short stretch. This is our sprint. And um, we've got we've got sort of passion and perseverance for the long-term goal of equipping with these, these kids with uh, the mindset and essentially a state of performance readiness to go play in the cold early spring of Chicago. But dude, it's, it's early mornings. It's late nights. It's uh, it's like a true takes a village thing. The school is incredibly supportive all the way like to the principal and superintendent. They're wildly supportive. They've seen what we've done for kids in the past. We ha- I have an amazing staff, like just an unbelievable staff of coaches and yeah, we're getting it done. Beautiful, man. And where do you find your team of coaches? Do you recruit former athletes that make their way back to town and hit you up because you did such an impactful job? Or is it sport coach taking an interest, a history teacher who's like, hey, I lift weights. Where do you pull these coaches? That's a really good question. I'm thinking about my staff now. So I've thought about this from the start. So the, the, the build of that new Trier program was me, like I literally one day pulled a desk into an old weight room and it was me with essentially the football team and it evolved to one of the largest high school, if not the largest high school strength program in the nation. Uh, just me to a full staff, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's taken a while. I've been at it for a little while now. Um, you may have heard me say stuff like this before, but this is all coming back to the question of where do I find these coaches? Um, you know, the, the whole process is about two very primary things, results and relationships. And if either is lacking, you, you don't build, you don't evolve. Uh, and, and because both of those have been fairly strong for us, recruiting coaches hasn't been terribly hard. Uh, you know, the, the first, the first, I think my first group of coaches, I think we had two, then we had five. And those were sort of, like you said, in building people, strength coaches who were, uh, or excuse me, sport coaches who watched us work, had a background, wanted to get involved. That's excellent. Some of those guys, we've moved on to other jobs, actually. Uh, well, you know, Alex, who's now the strength mm-hmm. strength coach at a, at a different high school around Chicago, St. Vider High School, another great place. Um and our current staff, I'm trying to think, I think our current staff, except for one, they're all products of the program. Beautiful. So they're all graduates of the school who've gone on to college. Most of them played sports, uh, did sort of, you know, and this is sort of a humbling idea. They recognized how impactful this was in their life and, and uh, wanted to give back to kids. And and now that I say that, it's just, I appreciate you asking the question because I'm reflecting on it a little bit, like, none of them was like a kinesiology major. None of them studied to do this. They were all like education, psychology, that sort of realm. And, and just recognize the power of strength and conditioning as a platform for those things. So it's pretty well, cool. I mean, at that age, everything works in the weight room. So I would argue it's almost more important to have a different background and then have an, a tooled up coach like yourself, teach them how to teach kids to lift weights but then they have that baseline established the psychology and the other tools that are more interpersonal, more vital. Honestly, if I'm a high school athlete that is not moving on to a collegiate sport and getting ready, ready for the real world. Oh yeah. That's, that's really good. Tex, that's smart. The, the um, that's right. You know, and I don't even know that we did that intentionally. Like there's one guy on my summer staff who I'm hoping to recruit once he, he's in grad school right now. I'm hoping to recruit him to the staff once he graduates. But he's he's the first 
uh, kinesiology guy and, and he's sort of got a very special interest in psych, but like you said, it's that other stuff that really is most important. You can figure out, you know, you can dig into an existing toolkit. You know, we've got all the programming already done more or less. We make some adaptations, you know, we adapt regularly actually, but, but you get the idea. They can learn that stuff. The human to human interaction is so key. And since you asked, there was one time, there was one, no, um, there's been two times over the last 10 years that we did not recruit someone like in the network, in the circle to come uh, join the staff. And we posted on whatever the, you know, probably the NSCA job board. I think we posted one or both on LinkedIn and both times we got really, really good people, really good strength coaches. Um, but for whatever reason, neither stuck. And of course I won't go, you know, totally anonymous. And I mean it when I say wonderful people, but, uh, but, but it became, it became clear that, uh, that something was probably, there was a gap there and the gap was probably the, the, the psych background or the level of adaptability or the realization that something was going on here beyond reps and sets. You know, one person in particular was so overqualified for an assistant position on my staff, which, you know, it's like after, you know, it's, it's limited amount of hours. It's not a full-time job so overqualified and a, a genuinely good person, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sort of heavy enough, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't sort of to a T scientific enough. Um, I think for this person to really get excited about it. And maybe most importantly, I think this person found it really hard to build relationships with people um, and, and hard to sort of be empathetic about, you know, what it was like to be 16 or 17. Well, they're, they are going to have a hard time. I mean, getting those long-term fulfilling, I mean, more so fulfilling jobs. Dude, the strength right. and conditioning profession is in an interesting place now where there's, it's very flooded. So you have a lot of overqualified people applying for certain positions. And then, man, the, the how do you test and how do you interview for those interpersonal skills to write, get this person to right fit. I mean, do you have all these guys come and lift weights with you during your interviews that are non like high school <laughs> kids that you knew that I think that's really funny. It's funny because I was talking to uh, the, the newly appointed head football coach at Knox college, a, a guy I actually played with back in the day. And he was talking about how his Play, goal, uh, rewind our listeners where you played football. No big deal. Oh, college football. Yeah. The the name of the elite institution uh, at the at Knox College. Yeah, Division You've three. No big it? deal. It's yeah. I mean, basically the Harvard no of the Midwest. Division three Knox College. That's well, okay. So that's funny because when I went to Harvard for grad school, I tried to I tried to get it going that this was actually the Knox of the East, <laughs> and and people didn't pick up. But uh, uh, well, Power Athlete Nation is now aware that Knox is the uh, that Harvard University D is the Knox of the East coast. I, I, I tried to get it going Tex. Uh, there's still a chance. So, but to the point, uh, Aaron Willett's new head football coach, he he's young. He's uh, he's all about it. Crazy, passionate and, and really about relationships. And that was one of the things he said, he's like, we, we were just spitballing ideas. He's like, I want to have recruiting meetings with my staff in the weight room. I want a healthy staff. I want one that, that walks the walk. And I want to, you know, I want to have sort of casual interactions like that, you know? 
Oh yeah. Um, and so to answer your question, it, it may seem silly, but I don't think I, I don't do that formally or intentionally invite people into the weight room, but honestly, some of, uh, some of the best hires I've been able to make over the past 10 years have been literally guys graduate, come back, say, you know, Hey, Davis is the weight room open. And they come back, we get a lift in, uh, and we just start to talking about what they think they want to do, uh, where they think they want to go. And if there's an opportunity for me to support them, and that includes bringing them onto the staff and, and getting them a little bit of a paycheck as they figure out their lives, then, you know, that's, that's the sort of organic growth that we, uh, that we often look for. Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, they're far enough removed. None of these guys went to school with these, the current kids and athletes, but is there like a uh, siblings connection there? They are. Yeah, there, there is some for sure. The, uh, our, our summer staff is usually a little younger. Those that we, we, uh, we go up to about 17 employees over the summer on a coaching wow. staff, um, which is a lot, but it's, but they're great. And, uh, a lot of those are current college athletes. So yeah, there, there is some familiarity there. If they didn't play with somebody, they're definitely, there's some sibling crossover. So, and well, that's one of the things though, you know, the, we, we literally, we've got an internship packet, which has turned into just like a hiring, you know, an onboarding guide that includes like how to have, you know, how to talk to people. What are some of the barriers that we can't cross that may not seem obvious to someone at first? What can you do? What can you not do? Can you give out your cell phone? Well, I know this guy's brother and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, but, you know, so so there are different challenges, but um, overall, man, it's like, like I said, I'm just, we couldn't do what we're doing without what I think is the best high school strength staff in the nation. They're just, they're awesome. And you have, the good athlete project. This is your opportunity to operate and look how your education systems and approach and view happens in real time on the weight room floor. And then you are able to stand up and educate and empower other coaches, what you're actually doing within the weight room using good athlete project. And that's the beauty of it. Why I love it in Texas high school, everything is so secret. What we're doing, we can't tell anybody about so we're going to hold on to our precious strength programs and practice schedules. Ah. And it's like, chill, chill out, man. Everybody does the same drills, but it's all about now how you connect, relate to your team and building the team to then have them step on the field and kick some ass or graduate and go on and be more than a high school all-star and peak at that moment in time. Well, Not you, calling Luke you, out at you, all. <laughs> He does have a ring text. I know. I'm just jealous. Uh, uh, me too. The, um, yeah, I, well, you're definitely speaking my language, obviously, because you, you know that I believe that if, if the experience ends, um, when they leave, when they graduate, then, then it wasn't that meaningful an experience. And that goes for the college athletes. We've had, uh, an opportunity to work with. We've had an opportunity to work with some pros and some Olympians and Olympic hopefuls. And it's the same thing. Like there's, you've heard, maybe you've heard me say this before too, but like, there's only one truth of an athletic experience. And that is after it starts it one day, it's going to end. There's mm-hmm. th- that's the, the absolute only truth. You may never, you may not, you might not make a single friend. You might not get bigger, faster, stronger. You may never win a game uh, or you might win a championship nearly irrelevant because one day this is going to be over. And when it is, what are you left with? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that, that is, that's where most of our work focuses. And that's why I think, honestly, you know, we're not a, you know, I mentioned how many kids we work with. We're not like, we don't, we don't give out scholarships. Those kids don't have to show, 
You know, this is a, this isn't a fully opt-in program. So the, the idea that we have all these coaches back and that all these student athletes want to be part of it, um, is really meaningful. And I don't think that gets done if we're just doing biceps and bench press. No way. And yeah, that, that love for coaches. I know from my high school experience, we all still make fun of and use our coaches voices as jokes and props and backhanded compliments. But at the same time, we did not have a positive experience. So that was, I mean, it's still memorable, but not in a good way. Uh, I want to stick with what you said. Uh, what you left with, and that is the that what I feel is a an attribute of the article that you have on our powerathletehq.com in grit. So let's break down your kids walk away from the high school in a better version of themselves, whether they go on to coach or play collegiate sports. And grit is certainly an aspect of that. The challenge is you now have to educate and empower all of your coaching staff to be on the same page. Mm hmm to then put your athletes in position to develop grit. So let's, let's freaking let's break some shit, man. Let's, uh, let's do it. And yeah, for sure, man. And, and we've identified every year, just so people know, like you've heard my thing, my spiel. It's like sports don't teach life lessons. Uh, coaches teach life lessons, coaches mm-hmm. and cultures. That's where the life lessons come from. Um, if not, like you just said, it is a memorable time. You know, something's going to be sort of learned, you know, people are sponges, but uh, it's, it's not like shooting a basketball gives you quote like grit. You know what I mean? It's not that playing football develops the growth mindset that maps on to future success that one would hope. Like these things have to be done really intentionally. So yeah, grit's an interesting one because uh, you know, it, it became it like just boomed maybe like, I don't know, 2017 ish. Mm-hmm. Whenever Angela Duckworth came out with that book, I don't remember when it was, but wouldn't you say in the last, I don't know, five to eight years, grit has been sort of everywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the book is very impactful and she takes an amazing scientific approach to outline this. And what is interesting to me is how she was able to implement her grit test with the uh, West Point Academy. That can never be replicated now. Now, kids, it's like the SAT, the test you can't study for. They're studying for that test. So that's where I think we're going to get this new evolution of what it means to actually, like individuals like yourself, empower and develop this in our young athletes. Right. You're totally right, man. And and just, I guess, a little overview, because you mentioned it, a little overview of her work. Uh, a lot of her, especially her early and probably most impactful GRIT studies, they were all involving high achievers. So it was like national spelling bee champs or hopefuls and, and uh, yeah, West Point cadets and, and like already high achievers. So what she essentially found was that among those who were sort of already motivated and ambitious and, and fairly talented, there were certain determining factors between which from among that pool, who would go on to succeed and, and, and who not so much. Uh, and, and she named it grit. And, and I think it's really important. I hope everyone can recognize this, that, you know, if we deal sort of, if, if we continue to deal in abstractions, we, we kind of, we get whatever result we get, you know? And so for a long time, grit was just synonymous with like tough and that's fine, but, but it's, it's an actual word now used in, in the realm of psychology. It's highly researched, uh, 
Angela and her team have named it. And so now grit has a definition. So that's one thing that I like, I don't want to get too nitpicky with it, but like when I talk about grit and when my staff talks about grit, it is a very specific thing that we're referring to. Uh, and, and what it is, is it's passion and perseverance toward long-term goals. I've actually, there's two different definitions kind of, they're, they're both incredibly similar. The other is uh, the, the tendency to sustain interest in and effort toward very long-term goals. But in either case, it's this idea, it's this idea that it's, it, it's very near perseverance, resilience, things like that. But uh, it is an absolute differentiating factor. And if so, wouldn't we want to teach for it? it mm-hmm. uh, and the answer obviously is yes. Then the following question becomes, well, then how? How do we teach for grit? And, and going back to the same idea, we cannot assume that, that um, doing tough things like playing football, going through doubles is going to automatically make us gritty. What it might do is just make us sort of tougher as a byproduct of our circumstance. But if we can't call upon grit as a capacity down the line when we have professional, uh, relational, whatever struggles, if we can't go call upon that quality, then what good was it really? You know, and that's actually, to be honest, that's something that I, that I had to learn early on before we go into like the science of it. Like I played 16 seasons of football. That was an empowering thing for me. I know that I had physical and mental toughness to do certain things that, that most people would never do they, you know, they'd never even subject themselves to a football doubles, uh, two day practices in the heat, you know, uh, and that was good. And that was empowering, but I found that it was also insufficient. Like I said, like when, when I was out of college, uh, I pursued a career in football, uh, for, for a short time when that career in football was over, it was like, well, what the heck do I do now? Like, um, how do I apply that toughness or that skill to other realms? And, and this is to no fault of my coaches whatsoever. I was super freaking, I was really lucky. I got amazing coaches, but um, I'm not sure we ever did the mental exercises it takes to uh, fully sort of, you, you mentioned toolkit earlier, take the tool of grit, put it in, in the kit and, and move on to the next stage in my life, which, uh, you know, again, too often we think this happens automatically. It does not. Mm-hmm. Um so that, that was part of the inspiration for, for this article and, and why we actually at the project and at, my, at Nutrier um, have it as one of our, our big three. We have grit, growth mindset, and gratitude as, as three G's. The three G's that we, that's right, that, we, um, that, are, that are well studied, that are well documented as successful for, you know, along the course of one's life and that we try to teach for. And this, I love this sustained interest and sustained effort. Because inherently, you were doing this. You were doing this with performance, football, and under and leadership in that respect. There's no way you don't play that long without developing a a voice within your and a confidence in your body and your abilities to then communicate and stand and pull others up to your to your level. And what that's almost that's why I see. Yeah, it's definitely part of the the Good Athlete Project. Big three G's. Because your sustained interest, sustained effort, and the long-term goal of the Good Athlete Project, hell, man, that's right in the definition. It, it, it's true, dude. It, it, that's what it is. It's a project. It's it's you have to have long-term goals, and you are nailing it, by the way. Because what what we found, and we talked about this in the article a little bit. 
one of the, the biggest surprises, I think, that we had when we started doing workshops with teams and coaches and, and now with myself personally, more one-on-one um, develop, personal development coaching is that you'd be amazed at um, how often there's a lack of, of a clear goal. You know, passion, you can't have passion, pers- perseverance toward long-term goals if, if there's no goal. You know, mm-hmm. if you just have, you know, you, a lot of people just have sort of juice, you know, like they, you know, they've got passion, they're willing to persevere, but if they don't know the direction, you know, they're supposed to head, then, then that becomes, um, that becomes a problem. So just, just because you, you, there's nothing really to reflect on, you know, you, you can't evaluate outcomes relative to the outcome you hope for if you don't have a really clear hope for outcome. So oh, yeah. that's and inherent. Sorry. No, I I'm agreeing with you and that passion is certainly in this strength coach profession, we meet a lot of passionate individuals. And I recently heard Brett Bartholomew describe uh, passion. Great. But at the same time, there is a level of miss like poor communication. You're passionate and you want it, but you're unable to then uh, communicate with the sport coach or with the athlete. And then you find yourself because of your poor communication skills in a rough spot, emotionally, physically, because you and you call it passion, not you, you, but the, the proverbial, right. this is Brett's and I certainly will get him on here to have this conversation. But that's that that pinged because I was there as a coach who poor communication with my my staff led to some, you know, disagreements. And I would blame them rather than looking in the, this growth mindset, this is pre growth mindset, even mm-hmm. uh, understanding and dweck reading of her, her great book mindset. And man, it's, it's, it's out there. So certainly the, the words, the definitions that you were, you introduced in the article and the importance of having these Mm -hmm. in line with then an individual athlete, coach, person, just lifting weights in your garage, having a goal as simple as, or as small as that goal may be, it's something that you can aim towards to then take that step. And really, I mean, that's to make quality decisions that will lead you down the right path to then accomplish that goal. Right. It's it, it, totally true. And, and, and I, th- and, and as long as you name it, like you, you kind of can't be wrong, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, our thing, another, I keep saying that same sort of preface, but you know, one of our mantras is does your behavior match your goal? It, it, it really is aligned with this idea and your goal, like there's no judgment on the goal. It could be whatever you want. You know, the, the goal could be just to develop toughness. That's fine. That's fair. So there's one way to develop toughness, do tough things. Fine. But recognize that, that that's what you are getting or not getting. That's your evaluation tool. That's the, you know, the barometer, so to speak. Like, but if you're saying, you know, how many coaches are hired and they say like, we're trying to build uh, better, better people, better parents, better members of the community, better, you know, all these things. Well, if those are your explicit goals, then, then you have to reflect on the, the question of whether or not you're actually doing that. Uh, I think a lot of people are really in a really well-intended way, just coaching for toughness sometimes, um, which again is fine. If, um, if it's, I mean, structured and intended versus right. just getting after these kids without any progression, just putting them in hard scenarios or punishment 
under the guise of, oh, we're making them tough. No, there right. there needs to be lessons weaved in or at least and, progressions. A hundred percent. And and please note that uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm making space for those folks who haven't fully identified it yet, but, uh, but I'm with you a hundred percent. Like you, you can build toughness thoughtfully and in a way that aligns with, with like, you know, sort of best practice and strength and conditioning, obviously. And that's the way to go. And I hate to say it, you don't want to ever hurt someone ever, um, you know, in, in the strength conditioning setting, but like, that's pretty good feedback. Like, no, I, I don't know if anyone would say, I want to build toughness and the outcome of injured players is of no consequence to me, then that person doesn't belong in coaching. Yeah. So I, I, I hope, I hope that that would be assumed, but I guess you never know. Have you read the gift of injury by Dr. Stu McGill? The gift of it? No. Oh my goodness gracious. You got to pick that up. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Stu's been on power athlete radio a couple times. Amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Amazing mustache. He's the, (laughs) He's the back doctor. So the NFL, if there's any injury, they send him to Dr. Sue McGill based out of Canada. Great interview. I'll, I'll send you the links after this. Uh, I don't have the show numbers in front of me, but the, the gift of injury. So it's not like he's asking people to intentionally injure your athletes so they can learn this lesson. It's a right. note to the athletes that then walks you through the mindset and the process to return to yeah. competition. Did did he speak at your last symposium? No, no that there was, was a doctor there. Yeah, that was Dr. Craig Bueller. Okay, aim yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Aim, yep. it, uh, aim It Systems, and he's based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. John used him, uh, or still still utilizes him. He, I don't yeah. believe they saw each other during their his career, but yeah. Also, not a great smart people around. I should have read that Stu McGill thing, man. You know this, but this actually it fully maps onto our our grit conversation because, um, you know, I I think you know this. You know, I had a knee injury this summer. It was like my first major. Like I said, I played 16 seasons of football. After football, I did some powerlifting, and my first major injury came in just like a stupid frick. I was running around the neighborhood literally and ran into a little object. Uh, didn't, didn't you step on like a? A parking lot barrier or something, just prancing. No, prancing. Yeah, no, I did. It was, it was, it was maybe dumber than that. I, um, I was crossing. I was crossing a street. I live in Wicker Park, neighborhood in Chicago. I was crossing a street. I was running. Um, and for those who, you know, this is a podcast. People can't see me. I'm not as big as I once was, but I'm still about 230 pounds. And I was running. So you know, there's some there was some force when I impacted this thing that wasn't willing to move. What it was, was uh, a garden box um, that was essentially built out of old rail ties, but it was totally immovable. I've, I've visited this thing since actually, and it sort of sits there pretty smugly, but it's like this big, heavy, just like garden box. And uh, I just wasn't looking. I, I was looking down one, I cut between two cars. I was looking in the opposite direction and full knee drive into the thing. It busted open and, um, Squeamish viewers don't listen, but uh, first of all, important to note, text that I did oh. not go down. Okay, I know that's what you, I did not go down, but I took a couple steps. I was like, man, something's not right. And I looked down and could see too far into my knee. <laughs> like it, it was more than was appropriate or more than what I was used to. Long story short, I got, I got, it busted up. I, uh, I got some stitches. I also, I found out later that I cracked a little piece off the back of my kneecap and, and did some minor PCL damage, but, um, 
but the return when, and I say all that to sort of map onto this, like you said, the, the, the gift of injury and, um, and grit, these things sort of overlap, like, man, to, to do this intentionally, to have, and that's why this is one of the important things and why naming these qualities and teaching explicitly for them can be so empowering. Because when I'm like, when I got on the bike for the first time with like a swollen knee, you know, and, and medium to pretty legitimate pain, you know, I, I, you, I have to remind myself of those things. Like, this is why I'm doing this. It's going to be okay. You know, I, you can sort of, your self-talk changes when you know what you're after, you know? So, and, and that process, like this morning I sprinted for the first time in a long Ooh, time. Congrats. Welcome um, back. Thanks dude. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I think a lot of people could probably have caught me, but at least, but I was doing it. And, um, it's been a pretty cool process, but like, you know, the, I think the gift of injury, I know that I've been forced to be really thoughtful in my return. And that has definitely enhanced uh, my coaching. And at a, a lesser extent, when we were teaching the CrossFit football seminar all over the world, we were running into coaches. Coaches primarily took our course and we were changing the way that they would set up for certain lifts to put it in a better position to transfer to other actions, jumping, sprinting, and a better position to transfer the training to the field. Mm-hmm. And they would experience a this this moment of doubt, this moment of, I why can't I do this? Or this is not what I taught. Some form of barrier or wall that was presented to us even though we were coaching and trying to make them better and mm. whether their back squat drops by a hundred pounds what they were able to do once before with their uh, different setup we would turn it into a lesson because mm-hmm. they're going to take this information certain setup execution cool warm-ups that their athletes will undoubtedly fail at because they've never been exposed to them before and having different yeah. weaknesses and different planes of motion, turn this into a learning moment. What you're experiencing now and feeling of, I wasn't prepared or I'm not good enough, set up, so on and so forth, whatever they were feeling, using and turning that into a, a moment for them to communicate and teach and express, okay, but we're aiming towards a new goal you're going to now bring and be able to squat that number in this different setup, which then better prepares you for plyometrics, demands, sport, deceleration, et cetera. We get the point, but uh, yeah, yeah, using that as a, a learning opportunity. And right. that seminar was chocked full of, we would build these athletes up and then break them down. Yeah. The coaches right. up to break them down because knowing they're going to then go back in these scenarios where we only have 16 hours, two days to freaking hammer them, they have four years to develop. So Mm. if we can teach this minor lesson in one moment, one instance with one movement, imagine what that coach could do with that mindset over a four-year development cycle. Right. Right, man. No, that's, that's so good to, to hear. I think it's so powerful and that's, and that's the whole idea. And, And you just named even in that, that brief idea that like, yeah, I used to do it this way and I could squat a hundred pounds more. 
it, it just reminds me of that does your behavior match your goal question like it, it, like if you want to stay squatting that much weight um and then then great then keep doing what you're doing if you want to uh reimagine it so that there's a different level of transfer different application to the field or whatever you know um then we're going to try this way in and only in those moments once you like can honestly answer the question does my behavior match my goal can you really start to tap into those other things? So now that I know that this is going to take a touch of humility and some, and some grit and an obvious like sort of culture of growth mindset. Um, now people are, will more freely accept those minor setbacks for major long-term uh, returns. So take us through some good, whether it's the good athlete project courses and seminars and clinics that you have, or working with your staff how do you empower them to then teach grit or put them in a position to reference on their playing career to empower these kids to not get some negative self doubt language and, and some beat up and all the things we don't want them, the traps and the holes we don't want them to fall into. That's a good question. All right. Well, I'll say that, you know, we're doing this nonstop, but I'll say the thing that comes first to mind we are trying right now because the uh, because Illinois has reimagined its regulations just a touch, and because I'm really sort of knock on wood, hope we're moving in the right direction. We are thinking about what it's going to take to get powerlifting meets back. We've ho- we've hosted powerlifting meets, a lot of powerlifting meets over the years. Maybe within those powerlifting meets, that might be the easiest to understand and most powerful sort of real world example about how we do this at scale. And then I can come back to some more nuanced stuff if you're interested, but. Um, all right. So, so one of the things the good athlete project does is we, we house the Illinois high school powerlifting association. Uh, we just, we, we created it. We, uh, consult for it. We've got a team of coaches. We've got, um, more than 30 member schools. Now it's one of the fastest growing sports in Illinois. Um, took a step back last year, obviously, you know, we, we had to do things remotely. We couldn't get in person, but in a regular year, we have five or six, um, regional events, sort of local regional events that all build toward a uh, state meet that has 200 athletes, invite only, co-ed, there's a guy's side, a girl's side, co-ed uh, environment, and like hundreds more in attendance. It's a big, cool event. And I'll be honest, man, it's it's one of those things where I have to pinch myself sometimes, probably like you guys at the symposium in certain years, like, man, this, this wouldn't be here if we didn't sort of dream it up and, and wow, look at it. Like that's pretty wild. So it's a really cool event. Um, and what we do is after each flight. So after we do the squats, after each lift, after all the squats are done before people start warming up for the next movement, we, we sort of stop the room. I've got, I've got a mic. We've got a big PA system. We've got eight racks going, by the way, if anyone's been to a powerlifting meet, this is probably the biggest powerlifting meet you've ever seen outside of maybe Texas. Um, We got eight racks going, but we shut it down. We turn the music off. I get on the mic and we essentially walk people through. And can you imagine this dude, hundreds of people all there for powerlifting. We walk people through like a reflective sort of mindful like moment. What we do is we say, uh, just let's just hang out for a second, take a breath. We're going to reflect on what just happened. What just happened was 200 people just put uh, a max effort weight on their back and went down and came back up. And, and here's why that's important. When you were at the bottom of the lift, when you were at the sticking point, 
the the easiest thing to do would have just been call it, let the spotters take over, rack that thing. The pain goes away immediately. You're all good. That's the easiest thing to do. But the thing you chose to do was keep going, do the harder thing. Like you went up when it was at its most difficult, you kept going. And whether you finished the lift or not, you made this decision to try to come out of the hole and, and finish the squat. And we ask people to sort of reflect on that moment and then name it. And, you know, we, we say like, was it grit? Was it resilience? Like, what was that capacity? Name it, hold it there for yourself. You got to name it. We then go through this very brief exercise where we say, uh, so we name, then we reflect. So reflect on a moment in your life that you used, let's just keep going with this idea of grit, where you use grit to get through a tough time. Maybe you didn't even know you were using it at the time, but where you use that capacity sort of push through, even though the easier way, you know, there was an easier way, um, you know, reflect on that. And that's not to get into the neuroscience too heavily, but that's essentially walking a path through the brain. You've got to access memories regularly in order to have them um, easy, easily accessible. We can talk about that more if you want, but after the reflection, we then move to projection. So then we say, now I want you to think of, you know, one of the goals that you might have, whether that's uh, graduate high school, go to college, become a college athlete, what it, it could be anything. Imagine one of those goals, imagine some of the hurdles you might have along the way, and then just project this capacity onto them. And the real hope in those moments is that they've sort of walked that path in their brain so that when they bump into the hurdle along the way, they can tap into it a little quick, quicker. And, and like I said, you can be in tough things in a silo. Don't matter that much tough things that can empower you and you can call upon them later. Like that's huge. That's empowering. That's life-changing. So that's just one of those exercises. And dude, I'm telling you, this is, if you ever have the inkling to, to come up for one of these, you're, you're, you're invited because uh, yeah, especially the reflection part, like people get choked up, you know, this, we, we don't want it to be too dramatic, but like, you know, people have been through some stuff sometimes and, and then at the back end, people are empowered. Those moments uh, are, are really, can be really powerful for young people. We've had parents come up and thank us. It's been, it's been awesome. And I guess the last thing I would say about that is to anyone who's questioning whether they have time or space in their, in their environment, like, like I just said, this is hundreds of people. 200 meatheads. I'm, I, I don't really mean that they're great, but like, you know, 200 power lifters come together and we shut it down and take a breath and take a moment to reflect. Like it's totally doable. You just got to decide that you want to do it. Oh man, that's incredibly powerful and certainly can be applied. You don't have to wait for that max effort moment as right. perfect as it is because you truly gave your all success or failure. Mm -hmm. And then you have the opportunity to reflect and then you're coaching them and you're teaching them how to find, find reflection, find a moment for when they do face that tragedy or challenge that yeah. they have again. Right. Yeah. And cha the challenge is coming regardless. Yeah. Hopefully there's not a lot of tragedy, but there's definitely going to be a lot of challenge. And, and honestly though, even at this point, you know, if you do it often enough and then you ask like how we teach it in our staff, like we don't, <laughs> so this is, this is just me. We don't, I, I love to curse. I know all the words. I think they're fun to say, but when we're in the high school and youth environments. We just don't use them, you know? No. And, yeah. and we, 
in our coach. We don't allow it from our coaches. We don't allow it from our kids. We don't allow hateful talk. We don't allow jokes on, on race or, or gender or sexual. We just don't do it. Just don't be, we, we don't allow that stuff in our space. And in the same way, we don't allow that. We highly encourage the other stuff. Like every coach on our staff needs to know what grit is and why it's important, what growth mindset is and means and why it's important. And, um, and, and like, I don't let my coaches use language behind the scenes and, and I love them and I hope they at least like me, but they'd at least, I think minimally they'd report back that, that this is effective, even though it's hard sometimes, but like if a coach comes in complaining, we just don't, I just don't, we don't have it. Like we don't, we don't complain. We, you know, it's, it's that urban Meyer thing, like him or not BCD don't blame, complain, or defend your ineffective actions. Like, um, so we, we try to really, we, it really, dude, it all maps on the same thing. We know what we want and we just return to it over and over and over again so that we don't even have to think about it. Um, you know, when, when stuff hits the fan. Do you have your, your kids journal at all? How do they record one? How are they recording their weights and tracking Two, Do you ask them to journal, like put words down about feelings, failures, expressions, etc.? It's a good question. When I do like, like I said, like some like personal development coaching, um, we, we sometimes will dig in a little deeper like that. We'll, we'll write, we'll read, we'll reflect on, on what we wrote and why, why that's the thing that we decided to linger on or examine or whatever it might be at scale. We, we don't do as much of that. So we, but, but you're tapping on a really important idea, which is we do try to encourage self-reflection as often as possible. So we, um, we track using a variety of softwares, you know, uh, so we, we distribute our programs electronically and then, uh, so we can track through that so they can reflect on it. But we also have at the beginning of each day, one of the things that we do is, uh, we, we do sort of a wellness check-in, but it's, it's not even really that, man. It's just, it's, we talk about sleep quality, sleep quantity, stress quality and stress quantity. And that, there's an interesting discussion just there. Like for, for most of the people we work with, that has never been distinguished before the amount of stress versus the quality of that stress. And then we ask people to reflect on their nutrition. So, um, <laughs> you know, they do, they fill that out three times a week. So, um, at scale, like I said, when we have 2000 visits We're we, you know, we, we're not asking all 2000 to journal because we want it to be a digestible thing. And yeah, but, uh, yeah, we are doing those surveys to encourage self-reflection. Sweet. And hopefully that translates into to-do lists and all the other aspects of, I mean, very successful researched ways to self-improve and get shit done is all I'm trying to yeah. say is making that to-do list. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, okay. And, and to be, if I want to dig in further, or if you want to dig in further, that that's, that's sort of like level one, that's like our base level, mostly scaled level of engagement does not include those things. But the, the further down we go, the closer we get to a person, the more we do. Um, and you know what, and you might be able to tell just by this right now, but I talk a lot and, uh, and we talk a lot, like our staff talks a lot, like, like we, um, you know, one of our coaches was told when he was doing an internship, like you got to be more than a whiteboard. Like you can't just tell them the, you know, you can't tell them the lift and, and let them go. So we're, 
we're engaging nonstop. So I would say that an extension of that journaling idea is we're constantly just poking around, having conversations, you know, oh, yeah. um, yeah. How was the weekend? How was the Super Bowl? What'd you, what'd you eat? Like all that kind of stuff nonstop. Yeah. Let's touch base on that. The, uh, no secret to our power athlete radio listeners, I coach middle school lacrosse and oh, yeah. t- technically if you want to list me on a program, the seventh grade B team coach. Oh yeah. Head coach. No assistant. Like, okay. Sorry. Okay. The lowest in the, the whole program. But then if you were to observe a practice, this is where I shine in the took ownership of the warmups and we put in our power athlete athleticism model. Uh, I am on my Instagram dropping different warm-up tools, what, why, and where my mind is for our listeners that want to follow along, just having some fun with field sport, athleticism, development. But then off the side, the skills, the drills, and all that good stuff, I do enjoy it and love it. But then taking it upon myself to get these kids ready to face some adversity and talk Mm -hmm. and take a little shit and talk a little shit. I don't use, I don't allow myself to curse at practice as well, but for our listeners to talk shit. So teaching them listeners of this podcast love shit and yeah, all the, all those. Yeah. Yeah, And in in lacrosse, there's a lot of downtime for certain positions, meaning attack and defense. If the ball's on the opposite end of the field, you get to just hang out awkwardly next to this Mm -hmm. person. Mm Mm-hmm. Much like we see in NFL films and catch some clips of cornerbacks and wide receivers, John, and talking some trash, there's a lot of downtime where the play is away from you. So I've taken it upon myself to educate these young men how to interact when the focus is not on them. So still paying attention to the game, but how to communicate constructively, again, no cursing, to, uh, you know learn to take some jawing and give some jawing back. And I feel this will put them in a position when they do face the high school, which is a lot more stricter than the, what the show we're running and their coaches will probably jump up, up, you know, get on them a lot more harder that the, they won't talk back. They won't be frustrated. They'll take it all in stride because, Hey, this is just part of the game. Let's turn this conditioning or this punishment into punishment and just crush it. And I'll tell you what, also the note that I'm giving them is, Hey, always ask a coach for more. Is that all you got? Mm. So as they do progress in their high school and maybe collegiate careers, they'll showing their grit by how they're communicating and standing and posturing. And most importantly, uh, talking back without talking back to their, their head coaches. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, um, I mean, communication, if, if you think about all the things that could be learned through sport, all the quote unquote life lessons, like communication, healthy communication, whether it's downtime or in moments of chaos, whether it's, you know, uh, strategizing, making friends on the team, whatever it might be, communication is the one, isn't it? Like, that's, that's the one thing that for sure isn't going away. You're going to need this. Um, that's interesting. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're doing that, man, because that's, um, you know, obviously I, I, and, and the team at the good athlete project and at Nutria, we, we wouldn't be doing this work if we weren't 100% on the side of coaches. Like this is that, you know, coaches, we believe like they are, they are the directors, 
they are the uh, facilitators of one of the most powerful learning environments on the planet. Like these are our people. This is who we want to be with, who we want to talk to and who we want to support. Um, in the supporting of that, we recognize that sometimes, um, you know, we get so caught up and I'm, and I'm no exception to this, but we get so caught up in, in the long-term goals to continue to sort of map this onto the grit idea. We get so caught up in the long-term goals that we, we might forget those sorts of nuances. And then we do punish by running, which is like my least favorite way of punishing and, and, uh, and things like that. When we could probably, you know, if we, if we were able to reflect and say, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to punish them? No, we want to, what we're trying to do in the punishment is we're trying to modify behavior. That's what, that's what Mm -hmm. we're trying to do. Um, and then you come to this question and I think of those same kids that you're working with when they get to high school, had they not been taught these skills by well-intended people like you, when they get to high school and that maybe there is more yelling and maybe there's less patience and there's maybe there's more focus on winning than development, hypothetically, maybe hopefully not, but you know, a lot of those kids are just going to shut down. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get these narratives coming from like, well, that guy doesn't care. Well, you know, m- maybe not, maybe this is not the case. Maybe this kid, you know, maybe, um, Maybe they don't have the communication skills to successfully navigate this really high stress environment, uh, especially when they're being yelled at by someone who they walked in the door almost automatically admiring. Uh, you know, it, it, it becomes a, a complicated thing to, to comb through. If I may, I would say that that because it seems complicated, uh, you guys were so kind to publish a, another article, the UMA article, Understanding Motivation Access on the Power Athlete blog not terribly long ago. Um, I think that that for people who maybe are fast forward to the high school coaches who are really trying to win, who can't figure out why they're not getting the behavior out of kids that they want, that might be a good one to reflect back on as well. Because, um, you know, in the building of grit, we can talk about methods for that, whatever, but in the building of grit, if it's just not taking, if you're not getting the behavior modification that you want to evaluate through three lenses that we talk about in that article, understanding motivation and access, you know, which one of those is missing. Um, that's probably a really good starting point. And I believe a good ending point, Jim, for today's show, not our discussion and conversations, but Mm. We, yeah, we promised a short episode and we pushed it a yeah. little long, but hell, this is a great but discussion. Hell. Yeah, man. I always, I always enjoy talking to you. This is good. Well, let, uh, let our listeners know where they can learn more from you, where to find you, and then I'll direct them to the article and more. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we are. So the, the website is goodathleteproject.com. Mo- we're most active on Instagram at good athlete project. Um, I think those are probably the main two and I respond to the Instagram DM. So if you want to reach me, you can, you can go there or email me, Jim at good athlete Uh, we host workshops. We do one-on-one consulting with coaches. We do all sorts of stuff. Um, we are a nonprofit organization just so people know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's meaningful work. We're happy to do it and would love to hear from folks. Excellent. And read Jim's article at powerathletehq.com. We'll link it up on our Instagram as well and in the show notes. So catch that here. I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll link up all your blogs. I'll do you a solid. So you, I appreciate you, man. Yes. Scanning for Delta's UMA. All right, Jim. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great weekend. Happy Friday. Appreciate it, man. You the same. All right. Bye.
Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!